This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood. Bit of a special episode today. We've reached the end of our second season. I've decided to do what all good media salespeople should do, which is maximizing the value of the content I've already got working efficiently. Today, we're actually going to go back. We're going to revisit five of the most universal problems that our listeners have raised in previous episodes. Now, these are all featured in the segment, I Can't Ask My Sales Manager That?, and uh, we're going to go back from season one and season two. The reason I want to do this is because as we prepare for the next season, it's important that we actually stay true to the original intent of this podcast, that you guys get to pick the topics and guide the show. From my own experience, the single biggest frustration starting out was feeling like I didn't have resources to draw from, particularly when it came to learning about things that I wasn't comfortable asking my sales leader directly. I hope you enjoy having a listen to our previous experts and their advice. If there's anything that we're missing, anything you're struggling with, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or send us an email at info at mediasalesmastery.com. Let me know. We're back into it from early September. So like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and listen. It's highly likely that you'll get your topic covered off. I can't ask my sales manager that. Now, they put their name as TV rep. I'm assuming that's not their real name. Uh, They're based in Melbourne, and here is the question. I'm an account manager for a regional TV network. I've been in the business for three and a half years, firstly as a coordinator, and now I'm looking after my own agency portfolio. Starting out, my group sales manager would attend every client meeting with me so I had support and could learn how to drive the sales process. It was very helpful in the first six months, but I'm starting to feel a little frustrated by my sales manager always coming on appointments now. I feel like it's really stunting my growth and making it hard for me to establish credibility with my client. They also kind of dominate the conversation too much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They don't let me talk as much as I want to. How do I get them to stop doing this and eventually stop coming to every meeting? Exclamation, exclamation, question mark, question mark. So I can sense there's a bit of frustration there. Yeah. that, well, that's an interesting one. I mean, what it would is. your what would your in, immediate impression be of that? Ah, uh, it, it is a tr- it is a tricky one. You, you know, two salespeople at a, at a meeting, unless you really are going through training and through learning, it is not ideal. And I think you've got to take the training wheels off really quickly and trust your people to do what it is that you're training them to do. For, for the sales rep, I would suggest that uh, maybe one of the things to do is to is rather than being reactive, so after a meeting to go to the sales manager and say, hey, you know, Jamie, that was fantastic. I'm really grateful for your support. You know what? I really feel that I've learned a lot through, um, you know, through your structured approach to sales meetings. I've got some ideas and I'm going to go ahead and I would I'd probably say, look, I'm going to go away and I'm going to do the next one on my own because I feel that you've given me such a good background now. I want to be able to show you that I can take what you've taught me and I'm really looking forward and really excited about being able to do this for myself and I'll give you feedback when I come back from the next meeting. Or can I just check off before I go for the meeting? Would I do this? Would I do that? Would I do the other? And and, and that would be a tactic that I would maybe engage. Now, if I think if the sales manager is maybe just being a little bit overprotective and a bit of over, overcautious, might just snap them out of it and go, oh, okay, Alex, yeah, look, maybe it is time for you to spread your own wings. You know, I think rather than necessarily just saying, look, getting annoyed and saying, look, let me do my own thing, I think I'd be 
plenty of you know sort of kudos to the uh, the sales manager and i'd say it's time for me to do my own thing look i just want to run through with you though before i go ahead these are the things that i've learned is there anything you'd add to that that would be my advice i think that's a really a really sound advice what, what about you what, what would you what would you do what do you look, reckon probably probably similar i think the dynamic that might be might be present if i'm looking at at tv selling into an agency market is maybe there's some level of expectation from these agencies or these clients that there's some senior re- senior representation at the meeting um, now that's speaking about my experience, but what I would suggest is that you can have a group sales manager go to a meeting in an agency. You still need to let your account manager ultimately drive that conversation. So if I was the account manager and the dynamic that was present was the the group sales manager wants to be present for for maybe it's just a a, a norm of their industry, I would actually say, look. I'd really love if you could let me take point on this meeting. I'd love to get some feedback, um, but please don't jump in and rescue me because because I want to potentially just get to a place where I can really sort of go out there and 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 have the safety net removed from below. So do I have your permission to let me drive this next one and and provide some feedback off the back? And I think what that does is is it first of all it doesn't necessarily get the group sales manager's nose out of joint. It's just asking for a bit of latitude. Um, and what it also does is it, it creates a forum for some feedback. So, yeah. you know, I say to TV rep in Melbourne here, I think I can understand your frustration that you feel a bit stifled, but the question you have to ask is, are there actually areas where you still need a little bit of development and a bit of coaching? And how can you have a dialogue with your group sales manager to keep them accountable uh, to actually provide you that feedback rather than jumping in and rescuing? And I'm reading, it's timely, I'm reading an interesting book at the moment um, around sales leadership. And the question you have to ask yourself as a sales manager is, are you the hero or are you creating the hero? And (laughs) it's very easy for us to jump in and think that we are the the experience closers and the senior people in the room and the ones that have to have our fingerprints on every deal. Um, That's very, very intoxicating, that feeling. And there's a lot of, you're absolutely right, Jamie. And I think there's there's a lot of, I think when you've been a sales lead and you've you've done this, and I think it's sometimes hard to let go, but you know, you've got to make sure that, uh, that the right format and the right structure is followed. So I think, yeah, I think sometimes ego can kind of get in the way a little bit. I can't ask my sales manager that. This is from Karen in Townsville. I work in regional media and sell into an agency and direct client base. The main product we sell is community press and magazines with some very basic digital and social. We have circulation figures on our main news titles, but we don't have any data around oh, data around audience, income, occupation, interests, etc. I know that our product is better than our competitors, in brackets, better journalism, targeting a more affluent consumer. But I don't have any data to validate this audience profile back to my clients. As a result, we're always negotiating based on price. How do you sell audience value without good data? So very much one that I wanted to kind of hold out until I had a chance to chat to you because it is an interesting dynamic there. Somebody that's going, look, I know our content reaches this audience. I know from my experience selling this media that we're targeting this this more affluent audience as well. Potentially, we've had some great feedback from clients. But when you don't have those those data points at your fingertips and you don't have that third-party data, the job can become very difficult. So do you have any thoughts around how Karen here could tackle this uh, issue? Because it seems to me like it's just a lack of that resource. It absolutely is. And I don't think it's good enough to say I don't have any data. You certainly can't. How could you possibly know that you're better than your competitors and that you're uh, targeting a more affluent audience without the data to prove it. So um, if, you, if you're if you doing that and you're just selling purely on price, then you're in a race to the bottom. That's There's no longevity in that. So I would say 
it's no longer good enough to sell on goodwill, likability, or I reckon this will work. You need to turn that I reckon factor into I know. So if you aren't officially audited or surveyed, commission your own, you know, survey your, your readers. You've got a community newspaper, put it in the paper, uh, you know, survey your social community and go in and talk to your sales manager about getting this kind of this kind of data. Use a use a third party researcher to help you, or you know, get an insight specialist to help you do that. Because ultimately, you know, great selling you need that support because data is essential. I would say it's just it's just not good enough. You're not going to get anywhere, so you need to make headway. There's no excuse for not having it. Um, data is it's the new oil, and without it, you won't keep the sales engine running because you can't prove why you can charge more or why you are different mm. beyond. I know we're targeting this. I think we're targeting this. I reckon we're yeah, targeting this. Yeah. I think we're doing this better. That's no longer going to cut it mm. in today's um, in today's agency. You know, even the smallest businesses in this country have their own have their own data to fuel their businesses. So they're going to expect it all the way through up to big agencies who will expect it. So they won't accept to sell without yeah. some good data. So the feedback there, and I say this with a fairly limited understanding of this scenario, but the feedback sounds very much like you need to maybe hold your, your sales manager in the business a bit more accountable to providing you with some sort of data capture that you can use to validate what your audience is. Give the, give the Yeah, give you the tools to sell yeah. your proposition. It's as, it's as simple mm. as that. But I think what you said there, you know, and, and this is the thing we, we look at and we go, okay, circulation data or some sort of partnering with a Nielsen or something like that, maybe that's not an option to this organization that's fine but you can still be pragmatic you know what you said around survey monkeys around case studies around uh other testimonials even in the short to medium term some of those tactics could actually just help you just validate the fact that that your medium maybe does have a bit of a differentiator you've got to kind of substantiate that you can't just go our content targets a more premium audience therefore you're reaching a more valuable consumer yeah Definitely. You've definitely got to be able to validate it. And things like case studies and testimonials, they're good. They're a bridge, but I certainly would be looking at, you know, longer term, how you can survey your own readers, at least to get a dipstick on that. Yeah. Spend a little bit of money to make a little bit of money. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion. You know, the other thing I would add to that, um, and the only reason I add this is because I've discovered it the other day is, you know, ANZ... NAB, all the big four banks, they all offer a, a ton of resources um, and a ton of, of different transaction data and industry category data and white papers on different industries and categories as well. So something that's just worth considering there as a resource is head on to NAB Business Insights, think about the clients and the market that you're selling into and have a bit of a read about some of that category data because you're certainly not using it to sell your medium, but it's going to help you have a better understanding of the client base that you're selling into and their industry. And sometimes I think there's so much resource available at our fingertips that things like that can really help you in the short to medium term just go in and engage that client in a way that you can still add some meaningful value and some interesting data points to formulate a conversation around. One of the great examples um, I heard of of this being used recently was somebody went on to ANZ Business Insights and they actually looked at the cafe category 
and they found out that you know you see a massive drop in transactions over the Christmas period because all these private cafes shut down. Um, it just happens they're a, a coffee chain that they were putting a solution to and suddenly they're in market for those six or seven days when all the other cafes are closed and the supply is restricted. So that's a really different approach. Granted, it's a tactical play, but it's a good example of how sometimes data just used with the right application can really help you get an edge and can help you validate why you would come in and put a recommendation forward. I can't ask my sales manager that. Look, this person comes from New South Wales. Um, he has asked me to withhold his name and his, uh, his company he works for, uh, but I can say that he is a digital media rep. The question is, what do you do when you need support from people in your business who refuse to be held accountable? I have tons of people in my business who I rely upon to help me service my clients. The issue is that they are constantly missing deadlines. Their standard of work is average at best. Whenever an issue comes up, it's always thrown back at me as something I didn't do or a process I didn't follow. My boss doesn't manage a lot of these people and hasn't been any help. When I tell them that I now need to call the client and deal with the aftermath, one senior person had the gall to tell me that that's why I get commission. How do I hold people accountable for doing their job when the business won't? So let's just reflect on that because I very rarely do I read a question that has this much punctuation and exclamation marks in it. So I can sense the frustration here. Um, the first thing I'd say reacting to that is, is that doesn't seem like anything out of the ordinary to me um, at all. So, so let's just take the heat out of this and go, the frustration you're feeling here is, is kind of a norm of the industry in, in my view. Um, what would you say just reflecting on that question, Richard? What do you think's going on here? There's a bit of blame going on both sides okay so the uh, the media reps going it's all their fault <laughs> they're not holding themselves accountable the people in uh, that uh, he or she is talking about are also going well it, it's your responsibility and it's your fault um, so you've got a, a conflict situation what are your options okay um, we come back to the uh, uh, four behavior choices you behave assertively, aggressively, passive-aggressively or passively. You could escalate it to your boss and go, well, you get paid more than me and you're more experienced. Could you deal with it? I think that's abdicating. You could try and do something, you know, underhand. But I, look, we cut to the chase, Jamie. I, you and I have worked together many times. So you know I'm big on have the conversation that you need to have with the person when the heat is off, if you can. In other words, you deal with the mess as best you can. Once it's done and there's not this he said, she said going on. And, and let's say I'm the media sales rep and you're the person in the other department. Jamie, just role play with me here. Uh, I'd come back to you and go, Jamie, can we go out for a coffee? Because we had a real, you know, set to last week with that which thank it, it's it's sorted but that's happened a few times and you know i'm sure it's frustrating you it's frustrating me i reckon you know it's worth half an hour of our time to sort of kick around how we handle this in you know in the future because it, it's going to come up again because it's the nature of our business so i'd, I'd set it up not as a i'm going to give you a real talking to I'm going to set it up as a we. This is a problem for both of us. I'm sure it's frustrating you. So I've got a decent intention. It's not to give you a kicking. Then, when we're having the conversation, we are really clear about what has happened. 
and the behavior that has caused it to happen on both sides. We do not get into judgy, name-calling, you know, you're arrogant, difficult, you know, whatever. Just talk about the behavior. You also show some understanding of, look, I get it from your point of view as to why you are going, you know, we get paid the commission and this, that, and the other, or why you haven't been able to do this. But then you need to say, this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. Not a, an, an, It's got to be an I statement, but I feel really frustrated. I, to be honest, I feel a little, you know, whatever it is, whatever is your emotion, kind of go, put it on the table. It's actually very powerful because people can't contradict it and go, no, you're not feeling that. Okay, what I need us to do is to figure out how we deal with this type of situation because it comes up twice a month or three times a month or whatever and it ain't good. Now, the final kicker is there's got to be a consequence. Now, I'm the father of two children, one 16-year-old girl, one 13-year-old son, and I know as a parent of a child, and we could all relate to this when we were children, our parents give us certain consequences. If you don't do that, then this. First of all, you've got to go, that consequence is either something I want, because a consequence can be positive, or something I don't want, and the person has got to be able to follow through. So if you think your mum and dad is all talk, but they never follow through, hmm. Okay, now you play this into uh, office politics and interaction. People are, okay, well, I had a conversation with Jamie and nothing changed. I go, so what was, what was the consequence you gave them? What, what do you mean? Well, a consequence has either got to be something Jamie wants to happen. If you do this, if we can do this, then this, and it's a good thing. Or if you don't do this, then this happens. And that's a bad thing. And I go, oh, I didn't do that. Well, you need to do that because you're not getting the behavior change. You're missing the most important element <laughs> that shifts people's behavior. Oh, the next answer is, yeah, but they're more senior to me and I have no authority over them. So I go, so, so you're saying if they carry on treating you like this, they can operate with impunity. There is no downside. You confront people with that reality, they, they're often stuck in a place, no, I have no power. I, I, I never believe that is true. So part of my coaching is often to help them find where they've got a power, where they've got an influence. How can you, if they play ball with you, give them something they want or not? People often don't think mm. they've got, you know, with the, sale, with the sales manager, I can't, this section, I can't ask my sales manager that. Well, there are plenty of really poor sales managers and sales, you know, media salespeople think, oh, I've not got the power. Well, you do, because ultimately sales managers are judged on the performance of their teams. Performance of their teams is hitting sales targets, not having loads of churn, discretionary effort from people in the sales team. You know, we all have the opportunity to take our bat and ball home. There's power everywhere if we but see it. So I can't get into the specifics of what needs to be said here. But I, if I was coaching this person, I would say you need to prepare for the conversation well. You need to think what your intentions are and tell them that. You need to look at the specific instance. 
you need to understand the rationale in an empathetic way. You need to share what you're feeling. You need to, here's, here's the impact. Say what you need to happen, which may be a deeper conversation or a new system, and you need to have a consequence. Uh, and the conversation continues. You know, it's not a say your piece for five minutes. Thank you, Jamie. Bye-bye. That conversation may be an hour long and it may be hard. Got to have it. I can't ask my sales manager that. This week's question is from uh, Anonymous. However, okay. she has said that she is a, an out-of-home rep um, and she's from Adelaide, which is actually a, a market that I spent a few years in. So shout out to Adelaide. Great media market down there. Very, very nice place to live too. So the question is, I work in direct sales for an out-of-home advertising business. Now, we aren't well known in the market, and therefore we have strict KPIs on new business calls we need to make each week. We also have daily phone blocks to book meetings with new advertisers. I don't like this process. I never hit my call numbers because I never feel like I have enough time to research and compile a hit list, including the best contact person I need to speak to. Even when I do have this information, the phone blocks make me really anxious because it always takes multiple attempts to get the right person on the phone. How do I convince my sales manager that reaching out to people on other channels like LinkedIn or email is a better process to book meetings? Mm, Ooh, controversial uh, question yeah. at the end there, yeah. I mean, if I throw that to you, what's your, what's your sort of broad interpretation of that? What do you think is, is maybe some of the challenges there that, uh, that they need to overcome? Jamie, I, I, you I just love the phone. Um, in you know, in, in this era of LinkedIn, I am bombarded with LinkedIn messages. I, I ignore the vast bulk of them. I, you know, I kind of, I sort of get linked in with people. I don't really know why, um, how much benefit there is. I'm not too sure, but I get various messages from people. I just ignore them. They are not personalised. They're not really relevant to me. I know that somebody's sitting there just, just you know, sort of like flicking out messages left, right, and centre. To pick up the phone, to engage with somebody, the, the sound of a human voice, to hear the tone, to hear, you know, a, a level of personality and emotion, you can achieve so much. And, and I'm really very old fashioned. I believe that picking up the phone and um, getting through and even if you can't get to the right person to speak to there and then, you know, you, you just, you know, you need to find the way to find somebody who will point you in the right direction. And I'm a big, strong believer in picking up the phone personally. I mean, I would agree fully. Um, in, in this era, I think the phone is still the best way to secure a meeting with a relevant advertiser. And what I would do is um, is actually point to a resource. So head to mediasalesmastery.com, send us an email, and what I'll send you is is a template that we use, which are just call sheets. So a call sheet, quite simply, is a one-page document whereby you do your research before you go into your prospecting. You put down the phone number, you put down the business, you put down your valid business reason or something that will jog your memory and you go and lock yourself in a boardroom or you turn your computer and your email off because I think that when we talk about these phone blocks, where that anxiety comes from is you're sitting at your desk. You know, you're sitting at your desk with probably your Outlook open, potentially other calls coming in, people walking around on the floor. So I can understand how that would be anxiety-inducing. And I think that a lot of it just comes back to that focused 30 minutes where all you are doing is making phone calls with, a, with you know, enough research done in advance to make sure that you maximize that time and keep the intensity and the momentum up. I think that would actually be my recommendation as well. I just also add, Jamie, I just like looking at this, you know, just, just re- reflecting over the question. I, mean, I wonder if that this person has actually been given the right guidance on how to actually conduct, you know, sort of, you know, sort of telephone sales, prospecting and and, and, and selling and, and basic meeting, organising over the phone, because it is something that needs 
support and people need to be shown how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, it is very, very daunting. And I can understand why you would want to use, you know, sort of a, a maybe a, a seemingly simpler tactic such as email or LinkedIn. So, you know, there's a number of things there. Well, I think the other question that this puts in my mind, which I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on is getting onto the right person, you know. So absolutely, I think there's there's a, uh, an argument to make for LinkedIn can help you potentially meander through and find who might be the contact for marketing and advertising. But I actually think that the phone call with the right kind of qualifying question, you can you can very quickly get put through to the right contact person. I mean, how would your guys open up a phone call like that if they want to speak to the contact that they know is the decision maker and the person that can actually move a deal through for them? I, I, think, I think, Jamie, asking... Um, who has sign off or who makes decisions around advertising i think it's a simple straightforward thing i think most people will tell you and and even if that you know i mean there are occasions where you know we're using an agency where certain clients don't want to be contacted directly but i think just asking who should i speak to people will usually tell you what the right channel is and you end up you know whether it's going through uh you know maybe going directly to an agency and starting to speak to somebody over at the uh, the media buying house or whether there is you know the marketing manager sometimes isn't the right person so i think just ask the question uh and and follow and and, and see what you're told i completely agree i think when you're selling into that small to medium business the question of who looks after the marketing and advertising Quite often you'll find that uh, the person answering the phone will go, oh, that's me. I do that. Absolutely. I do that. And don't assume as yeah. well. You know, I think, I think people fall foul of either. They fall foul of two things. One, assuming that somebody isn't a decision maker, which can be a real pitfall. That, you know, sometimes there are secretaries and EAs who make decisions. So I think don't assume that the title means they can't make a decision. And then don't assume that because somebody is the MD that they, that they can make a decision. Ask and listen and trust. I can't ask my sales manager that. They've, we've held their name. They've actually sent this anonymously through the website. Hey, Media Sales Mastery Podcast. Can you talk a little about the coronavirus and what the right approach to dealing with clients is? My sales manager has the mandate of business as usual. She's pushing me out to market with no budget relief when half of my clients are talking about temporarily shutting their offices and completely pulling their current advertising activity. New business is even harder. I've been selling media for nine years, but I feel really uncomfortable at the moment trying to prospect clients who I can tell are really struggling. I know we need to be doing our best right now, but it feels really uncomfortable to go out and persuade people to buy advertising in the current environment. So what's your initial reflection on that if somebody came to you and, and brought you that, that issue? Yeah, look, I think we, we, there's, there's two obvious issues there. One, um, their line manager... Um, is not assessing the situation correctly. I just don't think you can say it's business as usual when it's not business as usual. So I think that person's craving for leadership in their own organization. He talks about new business prospecting. You need to be prospecting relative to those in the current environment who can still have a challenge that needs to be met. It's about stepping back from traditional business and saying, oh, you know, Oh, that restaurant, you know, we're, under, we're going to be under lockdown, so that restaurant's not going to serve. Okay, that is the short-term answer. The long-term strategy is then how do we get this person's fantastic product into people's homes safely, hygienically, and swiftly? That's message. You know, that's simple message. But if you believe in your head when you're hearing every phone call that you're making, both internally and externally, starts with, oh, it should be business as usual, and why aren't you making 25 phone calls and why aren't you doing 15 face-to-face? -face? It's just not reality. It's absolutely not reality. We need to acknowledge that we're living in, a, a in my opinion, a short-term 
scary situation for lots of people that has been hyped up beyond all belief across social media, and we need to acknowledge it. So we need to acknowledge it internally in our own organizations, and if our people believe that we're doing our best to protect them as individuals, but also recognize that we have a job to do and help and support them in that process by being part of that process with them, by working with them on clients, by getting the creative department involved in that process from a very early stage, by creating work groups where we're brainstorming categories, while we're reading business uh, websites, we're reading LinkedIn as opposed to Facebook and Instagram, then you'll be in a position where your headspace is dramatically different. And in my opinion, 50% of everything a salesperson does in a day is based entirely on their headspace. And 50% of that 50% becomes part of the headspace of the organization that they operate in. And, you know, I've never had the pleasure of of, uh, of working directly with your CEO, Kieran, but certainly what I've seen and what I've been able to watch is the ARN that I knew from the early to mid-2000s is a very different one to the one that Kieran has run. And that's about culture, that's about belief, that's about positivity, that's about backing the organization and backing your people. People are a byproduct of that. You know, at the end of the day, we spend more time working in an organization and spending time with our teams than we do our own families. Would you would you expect your own family to not be concerned? Would you expect your wife, husband, children not to be concerned? On Sunday night when I arrived home, I have four children and my, my youngest, who's 11, when I walked in the door late at 10 o'clock, he was sitting in bed with my wife and he said, Dad, you know, how many, um, how many people have got it today? That's his opening question. He's 11. Yeah. His second question was, are you losing sponsors? On He, he thinks everyone's a sponsor. He doesn't understand just straight advertisers. <laughs> Is, are you losing sponsors on the radio station? Are you going to lose your job? That's an 11-year-old. You know, and the reality is, does he have a phone? Yes. Does he have a MacBook? Yes. Do his friends have one? Yes. So we live in a world where if we, you know, if my 11-year-old thinks that way, the 32-year-old sales guy working in one of my teams who's got a wife or a husband and two kids and supporting a family somewhere else in the world, absolutely they're concerned. Absolutely they're stressed. So our job is to make them feel safe, protected, that we understand the challenges and we expect them to give it everything they've got, but under a new world order where we're developing ideas and concepts to deal with the situation. Because if we don't believe it's a situation, then uh, then, then we have absolutely no internal structure in place to support that person. I think that's a phenomenal answer, Josh. And I, I just want to hang on that point, you know, about, about your, your youngest there where you're saying, you know, being aware of what's going on in the world. I mean, children don't have the cognitive skills to or cognitive development at that age to really fully understand what is going on. Um, you know, the the bushfires in Australia were a great example of some of the disaster coverage going on as well. And and that extends to junior members of the team in, the, in our organization as well. I mean, somebody who's a graduate, this is their first foray into media. And, you know, I've got three graduates um, that currently sit in my team. We've got to be very careful with how we actually communicate and message to those people because they don't understand necessarily what the actual current context is. They've never really even been exposed to a corporate uh, work environment, much less one that is dealing with some significant headwinds. So, you know, my headspace is similar to yours in that so much of, of coming in and doing what we do, you know, the mental battle needs to be won 
and fought at the start of every day from every person because if your people don't feel strong, protected, fortified and and able to go out to market and proudly have a really consistent message, um, fundamentally, you're not going to have any success off the back of that. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week. Thank you.